When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. So for a few weeks in the summer of 2023, we were all surrounded by dinosaurs. According to Wikipedia, at least. Because the editors had decided it was finally time to change the species classification of birds to the clade Dinosauria. Our new columnist, Michael Greshko, wrote a great piece about this for Atlas. Anyway, ultimately, the Wikipedians chickened out. Maybe I should say they dinosaured out. uh, And they changed it back to just birds. But they were not wrong. When you walk out of your house and you hear sparrows chirping or you see geese flying overhead, when when you order buffalo wings, you are hearing, seeing, and eating the descendants of dinosaurs. So let's give some appreciation to our feathered dinosaur friends. We are going to make a visit today to an unusual group of them, a flock of beautiful, colorful parrots that have made their home in my favorite cemetery. Today on Creatures Week, we join producer Johanna Mayer on a visit to the parrots of Greenwood Cemetery. Let me tell you about one of my favorite urban legends. It starts with a crate at JFK Airport in New York. The crate had just come off an international flight when it dropped on the tarmac. The crate hit the ground, split open, and out came parrots. Loud, bright green parrots making their big break, trying to make it in New York. Some say the Great Parrot Escape happened in the 60s. Some say it was the 70s. Some say it was hundreds of parrots. Some say it was thousands. But whatever actually happened, the parrots are most definitely still here, in Brooklyn, where I live. And they've taken up residence at one of my favorite places, Greenwood Cemetery. I'm Johanna Mayer, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going parrot watching, and we meet a veritable parrot expert who explains how a cemetery became these birds' unlikely home. After this.
Steve Baldwin's interest in animals started early, when he was just a kid growing up in Manhattan. My sister had a pair of fish. We were living in Greenwich Village at the time, and on Bleecker Street, there used to be this place long gone. It was called Exotic Aquatics. While his sister was getting food for her fish, young Steve found himself drawn in by all the other creatures on display. They had kind of odd things. They had like spiders and strange uh, pets like that. And uh, right over the cash register, whenever we went in, there, were, there was a parrot in a cage. I somehow fixated on this parrot, and I remember writing my parents a letter, setting forth the reasons why this purchase was necessary. And I remember, uh, I said, well, you know, one of the main points behind uh, purchasing this parrot would be to teach myself responsibility, taking care of another creature, thinking not so much of myself. Framing pet ownership as an opportunity to take on more responsibility. Classic move for any kid trying to convince their parents to get them a pet. They named the parrot a word, like O'Leary or O'Reilly. O'Bird lived with Steve's family for years, all the way until Steve went away to college, and O'Bird bit his mom on the lip and got sent away to the Bronx Children's Zoo. These particular kinds of parrots can live into their 80s. It's quite possible that, that O'Bird is still you know, holding court at the uh, Bronx Zoo Children's Museum. Go check him out. Yeah, I know. I just, I, I've, I've never done it because I'm... I, I don't know if I'd be hurt more by him recognizing me or not recognizing me. <laughs> There's a lot of angst associated with, 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 with this parrot lifestyle, you know. This parrot lifestyle, it wasn't a phase. Today, Steve runs the Brooklyn Parrot Society, leading parrot-watching tours and spreading the parrot gospel across Brooklyn. The Brooklyn parrots are different than O'Bird. They're called monk parakeets, or Quaker parrots. They're a little smaller and a lot greener. And honestly, they're pretty irresistible. They have been described as the, the small parrot with a big parrot personality. The parrots are charismatic, flamboyant. They're flaunting it. They're flaunting their greenness, their loudness. They're, they're penchant for mischief. And, and carrying on and, and doing whatever they like. They're the second best talking parrot, which endears them to people. Animals endearing themselves to humans. There's actually a name for that phenomenon. It's called charismatic megafauna. Basically, they're able to charm humans and therefore survive. Charismatic megafauna. I always like that. It sounds like, I don't know what, the, the mega transformers or something, you know. <laughs> They kind of have a secret weapon when it comes to withstanding the, the various assaults that come from humanity from time to time because they're cute. They have a cuteness factor. They're called monk parakeets because they have this little gray spot on their heads that looks kind of like a monk's cap. And they have this uncanny ability to cock their little head, look you in the eye, and peer right into your soul. Plus, the parrots are remarkably adaptable, and they can build their nests pretty much anywhere on a cliff, on tree branches, or on power lines or radio towers. There are a few parrot colonies across the borough of Brooklyn, but the most famous one is at Greenwood Cemetery. I met Steve outside Greenwood in late July. You're not allowed to record in the cemetery, so we grabbed a coffee across the street. From there, we could see the parrots flying overhead. 
and we had a nice view of the cemetery's giant gothic entrance, which the parrots call home. So about, I don't know, 300 yards away from here, we have three spires, which constitute this gothic gate to the cemetery, this glorious entrance. And if you look a little closer toward the top part of it, you can kind of see there's a mass of brown matter. Well, that's a gigantic colonial monk parakeet nest that has been in the works for at least 10 years. From afar, the nest looks kind of like a big brown blob of mud stuck up in the spires. But Steve tells me it's actually a very intricate structure. They've just been twig after twig assembling that. Um, About 36, maybe 38 birds live in that kind of colonial, multi-chambered mass. So, back to the legend of the crate of parrots escaping at JFK. Steve says it's actually the most plausible explanation for how the parrots landed here. We do know that the parrots come from Argentina. Researchers have genetically traced them. And we also know that in the 60s and 70s, Argentina had a parrot problem. According to the the authorities in Argentina, they were causing the agricultural yield to go down. They were eating the corn, they were eating the rice, they were eating the tomatoes. So um, at a certain point, the government of Argentina just kind of declared war on them. First thing they did was they they offered a bounty to hunters. If a hunter would would shoot one of these parrots, cut off the feet, send it into the agricultural bureau in in, uh, Buenos Aires, they would get a, a reward. But pretty soon, too many boxes of feet started showing up at the bureau. People were just killing any bird, cutting off its feet, and collecting the reward. So the Argentinian authorities switched tactics. They decided to ship the birds out of the country and send them to a place that did want them, the United States. And the reason the U.S. wanted the parrots was for pets. The birds were originally destined for pet shops, just like exotic aquatics, to be taken home by a family just like Steve's. Argentina and New York have similar climates, and monk parakeets are generally pretty adaptable creatures. So... Once they made their great escape, they did pretty well. They sniffed the air and they said, oh, this is kind of like Argentina. After I studied the, the, the history of these, these birds, how they were essentially kind of driven out of Argentina, and then they sort of found a home here in, in Brooklyn and, and in, in the USA, then I said, oh, this is kind of a compelling story that sort of mirrors the immigrant experience of so many of us. It sort of resonates. Free from their crate, flying over the city... The parrots had to find a new home. If you zoom out from Brooklyn, I mean, if you're high enough, you're looking down and you're just seeing all this concrete and gray matter and it's all radiating heat. But then there are these two big pieces of green, this Prospect Park, and there's there's Inwood Cemetery. Steve says it's likely the parrots chose the cemetery over the park because of the number of hawks in the park. Today, Greenwood is an oasis in the city. It's hilly and quiet with bright green grass. In the spring, the cemetery bursts with magnolias and fluffy pink cherry blossoms. It's the highest point in Brooklyn with stunning views of downtown Manhattan. It has a long history as a lush, welcoming green space. 
The cemetery was developed before the Botanic Gardens, before Central Park. For a long time, it was the place to escape the city for a calming stroll in nature. In the 1850s, Greenwood was actually the number two tourist attraction in the entire United States, second only to Niagara Falls. So the parrots settled in the Gothic spires on the cemetery gate and began constructing their nests. And these nests, they are wild. Inside each bulbous mass of twigs, there are multiple chambers. Though the chambers themselves aren't connected, they're all part of that one big nest. It's like a little parrot neighborhood up there. But if you look at the nest closely, you'll see each where there's a hole or a portal. That belongs to a pair, a male-female, presumably, and possibly a youngster. So you can have two or three of them living together in that one spot. And little they family houses. It's a little it's like family. Little duplexes. It's very, very, very working class Brooklyn. Right as Steve's talking, we see a group of parrots gliding overhead, heading straight for the Gothic spires. There go a bunch of them, by the way, flying in tight formation back to uh, back back to the, the HQ, their lofty headquarters high above. Brooklyn. You pretty much can't price that real estate. It's location, location, location. (laughs) There's something about the parrots that just really hits home with people. When you walk into the cemetery, people just stop at the gates. They crane their necks to look up at that big twiggy nest drawn to the parrots squawking overhead. There was, one, there was one tour I was giving, and there was an elderly couple on it. They were just sort of like quietly observing. And the tour was breaking up, and, and um, the husband came over to me and, and said, you know, um, listen, I just want you to know, my, my wife suffers from a clinical depression. And this is the first time I've seen her smile in five years. And, and, I, and that struck me, because it's sort of like why I do this and 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 not that it always makes me feel better but it usually does make me feel better when i can come out here in the dead of winter or in the in the heat of summer like today um and and these birds are they're doing okay they're surviving they don't belong here no one's really taking care of them they're on their own but they appear to be thriving in the early days of the pandemic i went to greenwood a lot it was empty and a lot prettier than the inside of my apartment. And I remember taking such comfort in the fact that inside the cemetery, life was moving right along. The grass was green, cherry blossoms were blooming, the view of the Manhattan skyline was still astounding. And as always, up overhead, just squawking away, were the parrots. Are they surviving? Yes. And and I can impute from that, well, if they can do it, so can you. Soldier on, soldier. Fly on, flapper. You can learn more about Brooklyn's monk parakeet colonies on Steve's website, brooklynparrots.com. And you can visit the parrots year-round at Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn. They live at the main entrance, right off Fifth Ave. Just follow the squawks. You can't miss them. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, 
Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Tanaka Maria Muvavadidwa, Ellie Katz, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, check out atlasobscura.com. There's a link in the episode description. Our theme and end credits are by Sam Tyndall. And I'm Johanna Mayer, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.